Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Tuesday. Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot, a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. A very groggy Hey Mary, hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast, Mary Kay, because we, of course, uh, both made it back from L.A. this morning. We were both on Red Eyes. Um, yours was very interesting, I hear. I don't know that we, if we need to get into that. I'll leave that up to you. But um, you had a very interesting Red Eye. I just had a normal old Red Eye. Uh, but regardless, this is a very groggy edition of the Hey Mary Kay Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, I took a little nap, so I'm just waking up to do this pod. Um, but yes, you're right, Dan. I had a very belligerent woman on my plane. And I'm sure that some of the people listening to this very podcast were on that same flight because there were Browns fans on that flight. Uh, it was a flight. It was a, a flight that was going to Chicago and then coming home to Cleveland. And there was an extremely belligerent woman on the flight for most of it, really. And it was what is that? Four hours from Los Angeles to like Chicago. So she was out of control to the point where I'm so surprised that I mean I, I thought we're going to have to stop this plane. But the police met her when we when we landed. They met her at the door. And had to deal with it at that point, but it it did not make for a nice little snooze on the way home on the red eye. But I'm home yeah. safe and sound, and so is everybody else. So I'm grateful for that. Yes, lots of Browns fans. There were Browns fans on mine too. Uh, Ashley and I were both on one that went through Minnesota, um, and there were there were Browns fans galore on these red eyes. Very disappointed Browns fans um, after, yes. after taking that trip out to LA to see them play. So let's get to it. A lot to get into from this game. These questions are from our football insider subscribers. If you want to get involved, it's cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. And we will start with Jason in Atlanta. This is an Elijah Moore question. Hey, Mary Kay, did Joe Flacco give a hint as to more of a reason they stuck with the Elijah Moore in the backfield stuff early in the year? He said that Moore is good, especially when you get him involved early. In my opinion, that helps explain a bunch of his usage to this point. And I always think this is interesting with wide receivers. I think it's something Kevin has been a little hit and miss with. I do think some guys are better when they touch the ball early, even if sometimes you have to waste a play or burn a play and it doesn't maybe work out the way you wanted it to. Just get the football in a guy's hands once or twice and kind of get him engaged. Um, so what do you think? Is it is it, could that have been some of the reasoning behind why the Browns were trying some of the gadgety stuff with Elijah Moore, at least to some degree? Maybe. I mean, I suppose that could be it. I will tell you that Odell and Jarvis always needed to handle the ball early in order to get into the flow of the game. Those were two guys that really, and they would state it as well, like they needed uh, to touch that football to get the juices flowing and to get going and to get into the game. And, you know, Joe Flacco knows Elijah Moore well enough to know that that's how he operates as well. Before yesterday, they had played five games together uh, with the New York Jets. Uh, the first start for Joe Flacco in 2021, Elijah Moore was a rookie. Now, Joe was there before that, the year before that too. But in 2021, Joe's first and only start, they connected together on, uh, I think it was eight of 11 targets for a, a career high 141 yards for Elijah Moore and a touchdown in that game. It was his only 100 yard game. He came close yesterday, uh, but that was his only 100 yard game of his career. And, um, and Joe knows his tendencies. He knows 
what Elijah Moore likes to do and how he likes to do it. So he looked to him early and often yesterday. That doesn't mean that they had their excellent natural chemistry right away. They really didn't. They only connected on four of 12 targets yesterday. Seemed like maybe more because he ended up with 83 yards. Uh, But 42 of those yards came on one reception uh, on a field goal drive. So, um, you know, so, you know, they, they did not necessarily have, you know, beautiful poetry and motion going on, but I think it's the beginning of a little bit of something. I think it's Joe saying, Hey, Elijah, I'm coming to you. Be ready. I'm going to need you to be my guy. Yeah. And then obviously like he, he didn't have guys out there that he knew real well. And Amari Cooper left that game. Uh, to get checked for a head, a head injury. He's got a concussion now. We talked about this on, on the pod yesterday and, and in the video too. We don't know. It's, it's it's tough to get back a week after. So the Browns might have to go into this game against Jacksonville without Amari Cooper, which puts this receiving core in the spotlight because we saw a lot of said Tillman. We've been seeing a lot of him. David Bell was getting playing time. Um, you know, Of course, Elijah Moore gets put in the spotlight there. I don't know if they have to take a look at Austin Watkins now. I don't know what they do at that position. If Amari Cooper is not out there, I think there's a, a gigantic drop off. Uh, you know, even though Amari has been struggling the last couple of weeks, there's still a gigantic drop off from Amari Cooper. So I don't know like who, who needs to step up here, Mary Kay, like who, who steps up and fills this void with Amari Cooper potentially out on Sunday. Yeah, well, first of all, hopefully for the Browns and for for Amari, he's okay. I mean, you could tell right away something was gravely wrong with him, the way that we saw him sort of react. I mean, you see a body move in a weird way when uh, you either get knocked out or you get concussed or whatever. It's it's a jarring sight to behold when you're you're there in person and you see it. Um, But when they went into this season, I think they really looked at three guys uh, that were going to be sort of their bell cows in the passing game. And that was going to be Amari, Elijah, and David Njoku. Okay. They were looking at David Njoku almost, you know, and, and Harrison Bryant to a certain extent and, and Jordan Akins as big, you know, big wide receivers. And the, the one person that I'm pointing to that is really going to need to step up is David Njoku. I mean, I, I think that especially if Amari is out, David has to step up and live up to the big, enormous salary that he has. He's the seventh highest paid tight end in the NFL at $13.68 million. That's double digit million dollars. That's a lot of money. And, you know, they are not paying him that kind of money to block. Although he is their best blocking tight end, that's not what this is about. And when they go jumbo and all that kind of stuff, you know, he's involved in all that. And they go three tight ends, which they came out in yesterday and and whatnot. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, you pay that guy that kind of money to go score touchdowns for you. And he has not done that this season. Now, Dan, you and I always go back and forth on this. I still think that David Njoku has red zone and end zone untapped potential. I think the Browns feel that way too. Otherwise, they wouldn't have paid him $13.68 million. But so far, it has not come to fruition. For one reason or another, it just hasn't happened. Now, this year, I'm still attributing it in part 
to quarterback instability. I think a lot of guys are suffering because of it. I really do. I think, you know, Deshaun Watson was just kind of starting to find his way with some guys when he suffered the strained rotator cuff and couldn't get the ball where he wanted it to go and then suffered the fractured shoulder, which I don't care what anybody says. Somewhere in my brain, I still feel like there's a connection between those two things. We're told no. Who knows? But I think a lot of guys have suffered from the quarterback instability and the fact that they have now started four different quarterbacks this season, all different, you know, shapes, sizes, ball speeds, whatever. Um, We know that guys, for whatever reason, especially David Njoku, had a very hard time catching Dorian Thompson Robinson's passes. Maybe that has nothing to do with Dorian Thompson Robinson's passes. Maybe it has everything to do with the fact that, you know, these guys are just not adjusting well to the different kind of footballs that are coming in. I I don't know. It's really, really hard to say, but David's got to be that guy. And he was supposed to be that guy right from the start of the season. It was going to be Amari, David, Elijah. Those were going to be the three primary targets on this football team. And if Amari's not out there, or even if he is, David has to do more in the passing game as, as his, his tight ends coach, T.C. McCartney always says, like, he should always be open. He should always be open, uh, you know, because of his size, because of his muscle, uh, because of his hops. I mean, he should always be someone that you can get the ball to. And even if he's, you know, matched up with someone and tightly covered, he should still be able to jump up over that guy and reach up and, and go get that ball. He's never been particularly great at coming down with a contested catch, We've seen that so many times. I mean, I I don't know what it is with him, but whatever it is, he's got to get better. I mean, he's just got to get better. I mean, those two back-to-back games, uh, you know, against um, Pittsburgh and Denver, he just dropped way too many passes. He dropped way too many passes, one in the end zone. I mean, you got to fight for that ball. When you're as big as David Njoku is, I mean, we see the muscles. He never wears a shirt, right? I mean, we know... That he's, you know, he's got muscles. We get it, David. Like, we get it. But now you got to use those muscles and you got to win the contested catch. Uh, so, I, you know, I wrote about this in a column that I wrote today. He's got to be the guy in my mind that steps up for Joe Flacco more than anybody else in the pass catching realm. Because said, you know, okay, that's fine. Said's a big target as well, but said's a rookie and you can't expect that your third round rookie is going to step up and save the day. But you can expect your $13.68 million tight end to step up and help carry this team in the stretch run. That's what he needs to do. Yeah. And I, I mean, we've spent so much time on David Njoko on this podcast. I think people kind of know how I feel. I'm, I just feel like this is who, this is who David is right here. That Like this, what we're seeing this year is, basically a David Njoku season he's and and he actually he's on pace to set career highs in receptions and yards um he's really close to receptions and he's on pace for over 700 yards which would be a career high he's at 53 for 509 uh 58 is his career high in catches set last year and 639 is his career high in yardage set in 2018 um so I don't know. I, I just feel like this is sort of who David is. He's 27 years old or in year seven. Um, I, 
I think it's great that he's turned himself into a very willing and able blocker. I think that's good. I, I think he had, I think he is a better player than he was whatever. Go, if you want to go back to the Freddie kitchens year or, or whenever it was, I think he's a better player than that. But um, that, I mean, at some point you do have to look at some of the production and this is sort of where David has been throughout his career, where he is right now. And, you know, he, he has one 100-yard receiving game in his career. He does, doesn't does have a multi-touchdown game in his career, um, a multi-receiving touchdown game in his career. There's probably room for him to get, get a little bit better because he is 27, but most guys don't necessarily, most guys don't make a leap at 27 or 28 years old this far into their career. So I think David can get better. And I actually do want to see, here we go. This is the David Njoku discussion every year. I would like to see if Joe Flacco can figure something out with him. That throw he made to David that got called back yesterday was fantastic. That was a that might have been one of Flacco's best throws, and I, I almost feel like it surprised David a little bit, um, and, and he couldn't get his foot in bounds before he came back and caught it. So I don't know. Maybe Joe unlocks something with David here, and maybe maybe we do start to see a little bit of that guy that that you know for a few years there, Mary Kay, you thought you know, you thought was in there if he could get some good quarterback play. Yeah. It's always been predicated on that. It's always been predicated on some quarterback stability and really good quarterback play and someone that can get him the ball on a consistent basis, because I think he needs things to be pretty good. Now, Amari, usually, although it's not necessarily showing up this year, he has suffered from the quarterback instability, too. He did not fare well with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He just did not. I mean, those two guys connected on only 7 of 19 targets for 66 yards and no touchdowns. Okay, that's those are not Amari-like numbers. So I think everybody's showing the strain of too many quarterbacks and too many quarterbacks who are not savvy, not experienced, you know, not not have been there, done that like Joe Flacco has. So maybe you're right. Maybe Joe can help unlock some of the potential. But my feelings, my thoughts on David Njoku, and I'm I I'm going to sound like I'm making excuses here, uh, but it's always been predicated on once he's got Deshaun Watson as his starting quarterback for a full season, I thought he could be an eight touchdown a year guy. And I'm not ready to give that up yet. I'm just not ready to give that up yet. If someone can get him the ball on a consistent basis in the red zone, in the end zone, there's no reason he shouldn't be an eight touchdown a year guy. That's what he's built to be. That's what they're paying him to be. Maybe it's never going to happen, but this year, he has not adjusted well to all the quarterback change, the different ball speeds. He hasn't adjusted well to it. And maybe Joe can settle him down and, and find what David has within him. But that's what's going to have to happen if they're going to accomplish their goals this season because they are teetering right now on possibly not making the playoffs. I mean, it's that's possible to happen. To get to seven wins when they did – two weeks ago and it seemed like smooth sailing to make the playoffs. Now they're the number six seed. They've got four teams tied at seven and five. There are seven teams, seven seats that, that get in. 
there are two teams at six and six in the Bills and the Broncos breathing down their neck. And there's no guarantee that they that this football team is making the playoffs at this point. Yeah, I mean, the, the good news is they've got a few things in their favor, but they've got to they've got to win games, right? Like, you know, I keep thinking ten is that key number. At least get to ten, uh, but at least they have they have a head to head over Indy. They still have to play Houston, so that's good. They don't have a head to head against Denver, and all those tiebreakers get complicated. So a lot of that doesn't. A lot of it doesn't really, it's not super relevant now, but it will be when we, when we get to week 17 or week 18. Um, so they still have a measure of control over where they're going to go. I mean, they're, cause they're in sixth, they are in a playoff spot right now. So they kind of control their own destiny, but they got to get to, they got to find three wins in this next month and a half or, or however, how many games are left? Five games, something like that. Five games left. Five games. Yes. Five games left. And there are, at least a, there are a couple of tough opponents left. One of those tough opponents uh, is coming into town on Sunday in the Jaguars. They're eight and three right now, and they they have a short week. They're pl- they're hosting the the Bengals on Monday Night Football tonight. As we're taping this, they're going to be hosting the Bengals. Uh, but they're eight and three right now. Trevor Lawrence is playing pretty well. They do some things fairly well. We know that the. Um, you know, we know that the Texans are playing well. We know that C.J. Stroud is playing well. And that game is on the road. That game is on the road on Christmas Eve. You know, that's going to that could be a, a tough out that, you know, that probably is going to be a tough out. That's a good defense down there, you know. So that's not that one's not going to be easy either. Um, you know, there are so many things going on right now in the AFC, in the AFC North even. I mean, you've got. Kenny Pickett underwent ankle surgery today. He went underwent ankle surgery today for a high ankle sprain. Um, so who's no who knows what's going to happen now with the Steelers? That could open up a spot, possibly. You know, I mean, you never know. They're ahead of the Browns in the seating right now, but um, you know, and, and they have I think they have another Bengals game left, which I would have counted as a victory, but. Now, you know, that looks to be in jeopardy as well. So I don't know. Um, It's still wide open. It's still there for the taking for the Cleveland Browns, but they do need good quarterback play. They need good quarterback play. And then Joe Flacco is going to need some help from his receiving core. Okay, real quick before we take a break, and then um, I want to go through, we'll kind of quick hit some of these questions on the other side. But this is going to be the topic this week until – Kevin just does it, but is there any, is, is there any method to the madness? Is there any, like he didn't name, he didn't just come out and name Joe Flacco, the starting quarterback today. Does that mean he's actually thinking about it or is it kind of just a formality and he just didn't want to do it on Monday? You know, I don't even know if it's a formality. What I think it is. And what I wrote about today is the fact that as I mentioned before, the Jaguars have a short week as it is. If you have them thinking that they have to prepare for a big armed pocket passer and a a little bit smaller, shiftier, dual threat running quarterback, uh, then that's going to take up some of their preparation. And they're not going to have time to really dig in to just one guy and focus completely on Joe Flacco. They have to spend time on both of those guys 
until they name the starter. And even if they do, even after Kevin Stefanski does name his starter, they still have to prepare for two different styles of quarterback. They have to, because at any given time, the second type of guy could be in the game. So, you know, I think it's competitive advantage. And right now you have to use every little tiny morsel of that that you can get. It's such a tight race. It's so heated. This is when the chips are down. So that's what it is. Um, If you go back uh, and you get a chance to look at the story that I wrote today, uh, I'm quoting Aaron Donald in there from last week when he talked to Rams reporters about the fact that they were still preparing that late in the week for two different styles of quarterback. And it does. It takes up your time. It takes up your brain. It takes up your film study for everybody, not just the coaches that have to game plan for these guys, but the players. They have to study the type of quarterback that they're going to be trying uh, you know, to sack or pick off or whatever. So that's what it's all about. It's about competitive advantage. And Kevin is smart not to name a quarterback right now. And, you know, he might even be smart not to do it on Wednesday. You know, I mean, like I said, these guys are just going to be getting back at it after playing on Monday night. You know, give them something to think about. Why not? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Um, But also, if his team wants to make the playoffs, DTR's not starting. (laughs) No. But you're right. Make them think. Make Jackson think think about it. Exactly. Make them think. I mean, you have to start Joe Flacco. Look, did anybody think that Joe Flacco, a 38-year-old quarterback who was throwing to his five children and his brother two (laughs) weeks ago, was going to come in and after three practices play completely clean, mistake-free ball and everything was going to be beautiful? He even warned us heading into it, it's not always going to look great. You know, there, there will be some ups and downs, and there were. Unfortunately for him, Uh, The down came at the most inopportune time and, you know, it may may have cost them the game because, you know, they were right there with an opportunity to close that game. I mean, if you go down and you score there when you're down 20 to 19, if you go down there and even kick a field goal there, it changes the game. It changes the game. The thing that you can't do there is throw the interception and put your defense on a short field at the 24 and then let Matt Staff, Stafford take over from there. That's what you couldn't do there. But, you know, that's what you get when you've got a guy that came in three practices, loses his number one receiver, the guy that would have been the deep option on that, on that play. I'm sure Amari Cooper would have been the one downfield in that situation and not Elijah Moore. But, um, you know, this week he'll have a whole nother week under his belt. He will have worn the pads for the first time, you know, for the first time since last year, he will have taken a hit. He will know how to find the bathroom and the facility. You know, he'll have his signature smoothie. He will know how to pronounce Ethan Posick and everything will be better. And he'll be able to pronounce Ethan Posick and tell him, Ethan, stop moving the ball before the snap. Stop doing that. (laughs) All right. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to get into some more of these Hey Mary Kay questions on the other side. I'm back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. Let's kind of keep rolling through some of these. Let's talk about the defense. Tom Bay is from Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey Mary Kay, will Jim Schwartz get the defense on track for a playoff run? He better. I mean, he better. They're they're showing some, uh, some chinks in the armor here. 
they, uh, you know, they have to get it together on certain things. I don't think it's helping matters that Denzel Ward hasn't played for the past two weeks. I don't think it's helping matters that nobody else besides Miles Garrett can get a sack. You know, I mean, everybody loves the pressure. Everybody loves the disruption. Everybody loves wreaking havoc. But you know what people really love? Sacking the quarterback and stripping him of the ball. And, you know, they're not getting home. Teams are really game planning to take Miles out of the game. And they've always done that. You know, they, we've seen that happen forever. But, you know, when you've got another guy or two that can come through for you in those situations, you know, then then you're ahead of the game. And, you know, when you look at all the talent on this defensive line, it is actually quite remarkable that nobody has more than three and a half sacks except for Miles' 13. Oboe has three and a half. Z has only two and a half. It's almost hard to believe that he only has, isn't it? I mean, isn't it hard to believe that he hasn't gotten another sack at yeah. all, except for the two yeah. and a half? I mean, if you go back to midway through last year, in his last, I have to count it up, but in his last, I don't know now, it's in the teens. Uh, you know, it's like the last, whatever, seven, eight games of last season and the first 11 um, 12 games of this season, he's got a total of like three sacks. Like what happened? You know, what, what happened? It's just, it's really shocking and hard to believe, I think. But, you know, someone else needs to pick up the slack when they're chipping and, and doubling miles. And so far uh, that hasn't happened for them. They haven't been getting the, you know, the takeaways they're getting, the teams are getting the ball out really super quickly. They're playing that quick game. Um, and, you know, the defense just hasn't been able to, um, you know, excel the way that it did. But what have I been saying for, for several weeks now that life is a little different when you play really, really good, savvy, experienced, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks who know how to pick apart a defense, who know how to find your weaknesses, uh, who know how to get that ball out quickly. And that's what they've been running into. Two excellent head coaches in Sean Payton and Sean McVay, two excellent quarterbacks in Russell Wilson and Matt Stafford, who are both playing really well this year. And before that, the only really quarterback, good quarterback uh, that they have defeated this season was Lamar Jackson. Now, you can you can make the argument that they also beat Brock Purdy, but um, that there were extenuating circumstances in that game. Brock Purdy did what he needed to do at the end of that game. He took them right down the field and got them into absolutely fine field goal range, and the rookie kicker missed the kick. And they also were without Debo Samuel for most of that game and Christian McCaffrey for a bunch of that game. So, you know, they were lucky to get out of that one alive. But for the most part, they haven't played a gauntlet of NFL quarterbacks. And when you get to this point, and especially when you get into the playoffs, you have to be able to solve that type of quarterback. So now it's going to be, you know, okay, let's let's see what you have, defense, when it comes to playing the best of the best. Now the good news is they really only have two good quarterbacks left on their schedule. Um, that's Trevor this week. And then, of course, uh, they play C.J. Stroud and the Texans on Christmas Eve. Other than that, they've got Justin Fields. They've got whatever's going on in New York. Zach Wilson apparently doesn't want to play. I don't know. I don't know what's happening with the Jets right now. There's no right? way Aaron Rodgers Very is coming weird. back 
Yeah. Um, and then uh, Cincinnati. Uh, I, I'm I'm blanking on their on their quarter. Jake Browning. Jake Browning. Yes. Here's something interesting. So somebody asked me this today, and because this defense has been so much better at home than on the road, and I was kind of straining to think of how I wanted to answer it while they were asking, and it kind of hit me. Look at who they've played at home. So they played Joe Burrow on one yeah. leg, who they dominate anyway in the rain. Right. 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 Yes. Ryan Tan- Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Lamar Jackson, who beat them twenty-eight to three. Um, and had yeah. one of his best games ever. Okay, so you mm-hmm. mentioned Brock Purdy without his weapons. Um, Clayton Toon. And then yep. Kenny Pickett. So right? this kind of goes with your theme, right? Like, this team yes. has been better defensively at home than on the road. But that's also because on the road, they've, you know, they've played Lamar on the road. Now, now I know Gardner Minshew isn't some elite level quarterback, but Shane Steichen has something working with that team. Um, and then of course these last two games, they've played, uh, two brilliant play callers and and two veteran quarterbacks who are playing well. So I don't know if it's just that simple, but I think that kind of goes with a little bit of what you've been saying. Like, look at the, look at the quarterbacks and the situations that those quarterbacks were in when they played them at home. So I think this defense still has something to prove. It does way. have something to prove. People, you know what? I mean, we're what we're doing here is we're stating the facts, okay? We're not trashing the defense. It's, you know, it's been the top-ranked defense all year long. People were talking about it as being, you know, one of the greatest of all time. But if you dig into it a little bit, you start to see, okay, as you mentioned, Joe Flacco on one leg, Brock Purdy without his weapons and still goes down and puts his offense in position to win the game at the end, um, you know, they, they didn't have to face, they don't have to face Aaron Rodgers with the jets this year. Um, when they get to the end of the season to face the Bengals, they're, they're taking on Jake Browning instead of Joe Burrow. Um, they've gotten some enormous quarterbacks breaks this year. Now you could argue, well, look what's happening on their side of the ball. They're without their starting quarterback and they're without they're starting running back and they're starting right tackle. So it's true. You know, they are playing with one hand tied behind their back too on the offensive side of the ball. But from a defensive standpoint, the defense hasn't exactly lit it up against the best of the best in the NFL. Yeah. And by the, like none of this takes away from the fact that it's, it is impressive that here we are with all that stuff you said on the offensive side on December 4th. And we're talking about this team with a, a real chance still to make the playoffs. I mean, they've, mm-hmm. you know, of course we're going to be critical of things, but also look, they are seven and five. And if you would yep. have told me before the season, Joe Flacco is going to be your starting quarterback in December. Right. And Nick Chubb's gone and Jack Conklin's gone and Amari Cooper, you know, bangs up his ribs and now he's got a concussion and like, like just all this stuff. And they're going to be seven and five. I think I'd have signed up for that. I thought you were crazy and I'd have signed up for it. (laughs) You would have signed up for that. You would have signed up for that. Absolutely. 100%. Um, And every, every team gets, you know, gets some of those breaks and some of those opportunities to face the backup quarterback. Um, I mean, but I mean, against Indy, they didn't even get the starting quarterback, right? They got Gardner Minshew. Now Gardner Minshew went out and played a hell of a game, but 
you know, so they didn't have their starting quarterback. The Jets aren't going to have their starting quarterback. The Bengals aren't going to have their starting quarterback. I mean, it, it's just a it's just a year where, you know, the defense is going to really have to keep stepping it up if they want to do what they do want to do, and that is lead this team deep into the playoffs. They're going to have to play better than they have been playing. Yeah, I still feel like the expectation with what they have left should be to win 10 games. And yeah. if, if for whatever reason, 10 not good enough to get in the playoffs. Okay. But I still feel like you should be 10 and seven at the end and hope that things sort out in your favor. I don't think that's an unfair expectation with what no. they have left on this schedule and how good and the way we talk about this defense. Yeah. That, that is a reasonable expectation. And, you know, they might even be able to steal one of the, you know, the, the two tough games that they have left, they could, they could possibly do better than winning three games. You know, I mean, there's still a chance that they could get to 11 games and really be solid and not have to uh, rely on tiebreakers to get in. I'm old enough to remember when they didn't get into the playoffs with 10 victories. So, you know, there's, there's a chance that they can still get to 11, but they, they've got to get really sound, smart play. It would help enormously if they could get Denzel Ward back. It would be nice for them if they could get Amari Cooper back. Um, you know, these are some of the things that that are going to need to happen. But the goals are still there in front of them. Uh, before we move on here, quick shout out to Mavro and Seabus. Frank and I'm sorry, somebody else here. Um, Mavro and Seabus and uh, I should have highlighted it. Uh, they both asked us questions that we've sort of answered here. Oh, Paul Warner and Cuyahoga Falls. That's who it was. Uh, they both answered questions about the defense that we sort of answered as, as we were talking through that. So uh, you guys got your Hey Mary case in, in a little bit of a different way, I guess. Um, here's one about the receiving core. Let's go back to this. This is a name I mentioned, Frank in Brexville. This is his question. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think Austin Watkins can help improve the receiver play? Would you have him on the active roster versus the Jaguars? Um. You know what? I suppose that could happen if Amari doesn't get cleared from his concussion. It is somebody else to have uh, out there. I mean, you, you're going to need to bring somebody along, and it could be him. And sure, why not? But I think there are enough guys ahead of him that you're gonna that you're gonna still be able to. You're still gonna need to try to get the ball to Sed Tillman. You know, uh, you know there are still Joe Flacco spread the ball around to nine different receivers yesterday. So it's not like he didn't have the bodies out there uh, to throw the ball to. Harrison Bryant stepped up and caught five of five targets for 49 yards and an eight-yard touchdown. Uh, so they've got guys out there. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you're going to all of a sudden bring somebody up from the practice squad and he's going to save the day. I think you're probably going to be more so expecting the guys that you have on the roster right now to come through for you. Yeah, I mean, I think with with a guy like that, it's just sort of whatever he can give you, if anything, is a bonus. I, he was active against Baltimore, I think it was, but I don't think he took any offensive snaps. Um, so they, they might call him up, but with a guy like him, as great as he was in the preseason, it's just important to remember, nobody knows more about Austin Watkins right now than the Cleveland Browns, so they know what it's like behind the scenes with him. They know how he is in the meeting rooms. They know how he is on the practice field, all of that. So if they make a decision that he's not ready, that doesn't they're, I mean they're 100% right all the time, but they're the ones who know better than than anyone, you know, what Austin Watkins might be capable of right now. But I'd be open to it, get him out there, maybe 
see what he can do. And, and he's obviously done enough to stick around on the practice squad. But I, I don't think he's some sort of savior for the passing game. Yeah, probably not. I mean, you know, I think what they're going to have to do is identify in these practices this week some guys that are appearing to have some nice natural chemistry with the style of football that Joe Flacco plays. And that's meaningful because when you talk about like a Deshaun Watson, you know, you want guys that are, you know, shifty and twitchy and can run scramble drills really well. Uh, With Joe Flacco, you want, you know, big guys that can win the contested catch for you downfield. So, you know, there's, there's, there are different kinds of, of style styles make fights, right? There are different kinds of receivers that match up better with different types of quarterbacks. And now for a while, they're probably just going to have to go find those Joe Flacco kind of guys. Okay. Here's our last one. And this is certainly going to be a big off season topic. Uh, it comes from Bob in Cincinnati. Hey, Mary Kate, will the Browns be able to sign Grant Delpit or will he want too much? You know what? That's a good question. Um, I'm on team Grant, so I would uh, love to see him come back and have them re-sign him. I think he's just now coming into his own and starting to, you know, he had an Achilles injury um, right from the jump, and that's so hard to come back from that. And, you know, I think he's really seeing the field really well. I think he's doing a really nice job in in Jim Schwartz's defense. Uh, But, you know, they have to decide if he's a player that they can pay. But once again, you know, they do like to reward their own draft picks. So I think it's a player that they will make an attempt to keep. I, for one, hope they can. And um, and it's just going to really come down to the money. Yeah, my initial thought was, like, you're paying Juan Thornhill. Can you also pay Grant Delpit a ton of money? But I'm looking at over the cap right now, and Juan's cap number next year is $3.78 million. Um, After that, it's five point six eight in twenty twenty five, and then his big numbers in twenty twenty six. So, I think they can probably make it work with those two back there. It just sort of depends how much Grant wants and how much he can get on the open market. I don't know if he'd be a franchise tag candidate uh, when when they get there, but that's going to be that's definitely going to be one of those things to watch. And they have some decisions to make this off season. I know that. I know that you can do a lot of different things with the caps with the cap. You can do a bunch of gymnastics. These guys are great at it, but you do have to make decisions. There are guys you're going to lose. I don't know if that's, if you have to make a decision on Amari Cooper, do you have to make a decision on Greg Newsome? Who's, who's coming up soon? Like there's, there's things they have to decide. There's some hard decisions they're going to have to make on guys. If they want to keep, a, if they want to start keeping guys like Grant Delpit and JOK and some of these other guys coming up down the road. Yeah, I mean, even Nick Chubb, you know, I mean, it's yeah. it's hard to it's hard to talk about um, because Nick is the face of the Cleveland Browns and he's everybody's favorite and people absolutely love him and he embodies the spirit of this football team and this town. Um, but, you know, that is a uh, you know, that's a big decision that they're going to have to make because they can save 12 million dollars on the cap if if he's you know, not on the roster. So, you know, they they have an opportunity there to work through that. And I know that they're going to want to, of course, do right by Nick Chubb, but that's, you know, it's a business as well. And they're going to have to figure something out there. Um, As you mentioned, Amari, I would go ahead and I would pay Amari. He's under contract next year and he's worth it. Uh, So I, I, I probably wouldn't do anything 
necessarily there, but, you know, maybe they feel differently about that. Um, there are a number of guys that they're going to have to figure things out with. And DPJ was one of them, which is why he's not a, on this team anymore. You know, he was going to command too much on the open market for them to keep him. So they decided to get a draft pick for him in exchange. And, um, you know, I, I think that they were going to have a few other tough decisions like that, because when you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, who eats up so much of the cap, then, you know, you've got to cut corners elsewhere. Yeah, that's a whole, <laughs> we can do about 10 off season pods on that. But yeah, the, I mean, the guy that I keep coming back to is what are they going to do with Greg Newsom? Because they have to make a decision on his fifth year option this year. Um, now, obviously that wouldn't kick in until 2025, but that's $12.8 million. And you, you've paid Denzel Ward, you have Martin Emerson, who I, I think those are your two outside corners. So it's things like that, that they're going to have to sort out in the off season as they kind of figure out how to get Grant Delpit and, and keep him in the fold. Because to me, draft and develop, that's the goal. And if you draft a guy like Grant Delpit and you develop him into what he's become, it would be really tough to see him walk away based on how this team operates. Yeah, I mean, and they they don't want that to happen. Obviously, they don't want that that to happen. They re, they want to reward uh, their own guys, and um, you know, and they, you know, they saw tremendous things for Grant Delpit when they drafted him in the second round, and um, you know, so now you know, let let's see where this goes. But uh, you know, he's playing really well this season. I think he's I think he's doing a really nice job, and he's made a case for himself. So. We'll just have to see if it translates to a contract. Okay. All those questions came from our football insider subscribers. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to get a newsletter, uh, become one of our text subscribers and also get access to those stories behind the paywall at cleveland.com slash Browns. Find us on YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. Find us on Instagram, search orange and Brown talk. Uh, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. Sounds great.